video podcast and show i am so excited to be here i am glad that it's monday i survived the weekend um i feel good uh for those that don't know what pink cloud nine means it's a recovery term for mental health recovery and addiction recovery uh which i've been in for four years i've been sober and in therapy for four years and on pharmaceuticals non-narcotic um Plus, I do some homeopathic, you know, natural stuff, too. So, Pink Cloud 9 recovery, that's what we're all about here. Now, today, before I introduce y'all, I got a little promo that I've been working on, okay? Oh, we already have a comment. We'll see. We'll see. I'll check the comment while we do this. All right, hang tight. central topic by exploring a whole bunch of, of uh, related issues. So in the United States, uh, what's really interesting is is millennials, Gen Z, basically everybody under age 35 or 40, um, they are just not going to church anymore. Uh, in, in, in the past, in Americans, it's been, it's been really common for young people to not go to church, but then as they get older, as they have kids, uh, get into their jobs, that sort of thing, they sort of go back to church um, and, and sort of church attendance has been you know, steady for generations in that way. That is not happening with young Americans. Um, millennials, Gen Z, they just don't want to have anything to do with church anymore. And, and what's really interesting, you know, a lot of, especially a lot of Christians, they, they say, oh, well, they just, you know, they're just godless atheists. They're terrible people. They're, you know, millennials are ruining everything is always the BuzzFeed headline. Of course we are. Why wouldn't we? Um, but what's actually interesting is, is uh, when you look at the attitudes of millennials and, and organizations like Pew Research has, have done this quite a lot, um, when it comes to things like believing in God or in heaven or praying, reading holy text, Bible or, or you know, any, whatever holy text it might be, um, the numbers are actually almost exactly the same as older generations. The only thing that's different is going to church on Sunday. Um, and, and so this book sort of explores all the reasons why young Americans, um, you know, the, the term that's often used is, is, um, you know, they're spiritual, but they're not religious. 
That's is sort of the way it's described. And so this book sort of explores why uh, church on Sunday just doesn't work for young Americans anymore, even though these young Americans um, are still, you know, measurably about as religious as older Americans. Wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Did you say Gen Z? Yeah. What does that mean? Explain that to me, please. Yeah. So, um, I guess Gen Z is just sort of what they started calling young people when millennials got too old. <laughs> um, I, I guess, uh, you know, millennials for us, uh, for millennials, we grew up, you know, MTV, BET, that sort of thing was what was what defined us. But, um, you know, Gen Z, I guess the thing that defines them is, uh, you know, iPhones and, and uh, TikTok and that sort of thing. Um, so, uh, it you know, it, it really hit me once. Um, I was I was teaching a college class, um, and, and there were a lot of freshmen in there. And I, I made a joke that was you know um, right around uh, turn of the century uh, context, right about year two thousand context. And this was just a couple of years ago, and uh, a lot less of the students than I thought would understand it understood the joke. And and I had to ask them, and I said, "Well, how many of you were even alive for nine eleven? And only three or four in the whole class raised their hand. And I was like, "Oh my goodness." I'm old. <laughs> so that's, you know, that that's where Gen Z comes from. It's just us millennials sort of got too old. And so it's that's the new generation. Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Every, you know, new, you know, age group is going to need its own generation. Right. So, okay, mm-hmm. cool. That yeah. makes so much more sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause I was like, you know, wait a minute. What am I missing here? What did I miss? Uh, no, totally. Um, the whole, I believe, not going to church on Sundays anymore like people used to in the old days. It has to do with, first of all, our schedules. You know, we some of us work on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of us don't believe a lot of us. Like I'm a fucking I don't even know. I don't even know what I am. What am I? What am I? Man? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, traditions. Traditions are just not. Um, and then following through over and over the same thing over and over. And then it's like, so I'm just giving you reasons why I think people don't yeah. church on Sunday. And then it's like, okay, so the Bible talks about like doing stuff versus actually. Like saying you do something, but not actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Or like yeah. saying you don't cheat, but you do cheat. Yeah. Saying you don't lie, yeah. but you do lie. Saying you don't steal, but you do steal. Yeah. That's yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's no. It's really interesting. Now that, that what you've just described is is really similar to an awful lot of of you know when I say young Americans, um, I'm referring to like age 35 and, and under. Um, you know, because this is sort of the generation that doesn't go to church anymore, um, and and you hit on one thing that that uh, is a, is a topic throughout the book is is just traditions, um, you know, and and what's really interesting is a lot of young Americans are like you; they will talk about the Bible as the reason why they don't go to church, and they don't, you know, you didn't, you weren't insulting the Bible; you weren't saying, "Oh, it's just an old bunch of garbage." You know, a lot of a lot of older conservative Christians they they believe that's how a lot of us feel, a lot of us millennials feel, but you know, it's not. That's not at all what you said. Um, 
you you know you said you know there's the the traditions and you know the the Bible talks about um, you know meaning what you say instead of saying something and doing the other thing and and that is that's really an attitude shared by you know the majority of young Americans is they just in their opinion they they read the Bible and they don't see the the, the you know a lot of them grew up going to church on Sunday and they just don't see what they learned in church anywhere in the Bible. They don't see where the Bible meets with what they were taught in church anymore. They, you know, one, one, I had a friend describe it to me um, once as not being able to see Jesus in their church anymore. And the biggest reason for that is traditions. A lot of, a lot of, um, Christian traditions are now taught as though they are, you know, part of what Jesus taught rather than just a tradition. Um, and, and, you know, young Americans don't have patience for that. Uh, they would rather have, you know, the, have what Jesus taught, have what was in the Bible be given to them on Sunday. Um, and, and what's really interesting is this is, this is, this is, um, you know, a lot of these traditions, especially in the last 40 years, uh, have have become intertwined with conservative politics. Um, you know, in the United States, Christianity almost means the same thing as conservative. And that's actually really unique to the United States. That's not the case in other countries. Um, in, you know, a lot of it with the United States actually uh, sort of dates back to, to slavery. Um, it was, you know, what it, it, it for for a while there wasn't actually much of an emphasis to convert African slaves to Christianity when they came over to the United States. Talking sixteen, seventeen hundreds, very very early colonization of America, um, and it was only once uh, slave owners realized that converting slaves to Christianity could help sort of you know solidify the institution of slavery that they really started to try to convert slaves to Christianity. And, and that's, and that's when the South itself, the American South, even, you know, even still today, um, is, is largely evangelical Christian. That's really when Christianity started to take off in the South. You know, a lot of people aren't aware that a lot of our founding fathers were not expressly Christian. You know, they were, they would call themselves deists. Um, they, you know, that they were not, they, they were not convinced that, that Jesus was the son of God, the way that you have to believe if you're a Christian. Um, and, and in the South, in the American South, Christianity really never took such a strong hold until it became associated with the institution of slavery. And, and that's when it became politicized. And it's just gotten uh, more and more so um, to the point where a lot of young Americans now in the United States, they are under the impression that uh, Christianity is sort of just an, a wing of conservative politics and it's no longer really much of a faith. Um, and so what I do in the book is I just go through chapter by chapter and I take, um, you know, I take a part of the Bible that's really famous that, that a lot of millennials like you, who, you know, maybe you grew up going to church, you certainly know a little bit about the Bible, parts of the Bible that you are used to hearing, that you understand that you're familiar with. And I sort of explain um, the meaning behind those teachings that Jesus had or the stories that Jesus told, and then spend the rest of the chapter sort of addressing how modern Christianity in the United States uh, has, has sort of left that part of the Bible behind. 
And the parts that I focus on are the parts that are most important to young Americans. You know, the, the, the things that, you know, they read the Bible and these are the things that matter most to them. Um, and they're the things that traditional Christianity has left behind in favor of traditions rather than, you know, the teachings in the Bible. Cool. Awesome. Okay, so I was thinking about this. Put, put in very simplistic words. There's the, the Bible, right? There's Old Testament and New Testament, mm-hmm. right? So what I came to to realize about it is like, okay, so the Old Testament was before Jesus was born, and um, it was like really like there's history, there's a lot of, you know, violence, there's like mm-hmm. wrath and uh, this and that and the other, right? Like mm-hmm. kings and, and all kinds of stuff. And yeah. then the New Testament which the Old Testament goes from Genesis to, I can't remember, but then the New Testament starts at Matthew mm-hmm. to Revelation. And uh, from Matthew to Revelation is more of the, what Jesus taught, you know, mm-hmm. after Jesus was born. Yep. So, and um, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't really know that. They're like, they'll start reading the, the beginning and they're like, oh my gosh, this is like really like violent and, and <laughs> from us, wow. And then it gets turned off, but then they don't make it all the way to the New Testament where it's like Jesus is teaching, you know, generosity and kindness and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, so. Yeah, and, and, and that, that cre- actually creates a really large divide between older and younger Americans. Younger Americans, um, you know, they very much have a preference for the teachings of Jesus. Um, you know, there's ar- archaeologists and historians, when they look at the Old Testament, um, they are they don't necessarily read it as a factual account of history. Um, and, and I think that young Americans, that's led a lot of young Americans to um, sort of, I guess, put the, the Old Testament um I, I guess the right word would be secondary to the New Testament, um, because what they're really more interested in, you know, if Christianity is the religion of Jesus, then what they're really more interested in is the things that Jesus himself taught. Um, and, and that's, you know, where you get into things like love and acceptance and kindness and generosity and, and these types of things that, uh, that, that modern American Christians just uh, aren't really known for, uh, at least among the perspective by the you know with the from the perspective of young americans right so what is it that you would like the readers to learn from or understand or feel from jesus what the book yeah so the the biggest thing that i wanted to get across was that um being christian does not require being conservative um, the two are very different things, um, and, and it's only in the last, you know, 30, 40 years, and, and I go into a good bit of detail of this in the book, it's only in the last 30 or 40 years that, that um, sort of this, this expectation has been formed that being Christian requires being conservative, and it just doesn't. Um, you know, sadly, in the last few years, we've seen a lot of Christians— um, sort of forego, uh, you know, they, the, 
in in the nineties when when uh, President Clinton was in office, the the thing that we heard over and over again from prominent uh, Christians was that character counts, character matters. You know that that you have to be a good person, and and I talk about this in the book that at that time. Um, you know, it was eight, close to 80% of Christians believed that you had to be a good person in order to be a good political leader. Um, now it's almost completely flipped, and very few Christians actually believe that. And now, you know, they talk about how char- you know, character doesn't count. We're, you know, we just want to fight. We want to fight. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, that Christianity does not have to be the same thing as conservative politics. And, and I don't think it was ever meant to be. Um, I, I, you know, the whole purpose of the book was that I don't think that Jesus um, would would recognize Christianity as it exists in the United States because it has become a, I, I, you know, almost just a, a, a feeding frenzy of conservative politics, um, and and it just doesn't have to be that way. Um, you know, there's a lot of Christianity, you know. A lot of your listeners might, and I, and I talk about this all the time. They might go through, um, you know, and list all of the bad things that that Christianity has has done. And I, I do this. I talk about this in the book as well. There, you know, of course, slavery, um, you know, probably wouldn't have existed without Christianity, at least not for as long as it did, and to the extent that it did. Um, things like eradicating indigenous peoples, um, you know, the Inquisitions, the Crusades, all that type of stuff. Yes, all of that happened. Um, but Christianity's done an awful lot of good too. Um, you know, you think about Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King Jr. and those types of people, and that's what Christianity can be. Christianity does not have to be, you know, Jerry Falwell or uh, Newt Gingrich or Mike Pence or Mitch McConnell. It doesn't have to be that. Um, it it can be, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and 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 Mother Teresa and uh, Claire and you know those. Clara Barton and, and those types of people, um, and 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 so that that's sort of the, the the whole point of the book is is trying to help um, older, more conservative Americans understand why uh, young Americans just don't see Jesus in Christianity anymore, and trying to help younger Americans understand that um, Christianity does not have to be the same thing as conservatism, and that. Um, there's still a lot of good that can be offered if if you're able to separate the two. Well, it's also, that is correct, and it, I agree with that. Also, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean that you have to be perfect, right? Exactly. But everybody, we look, we're, Pink Cloud Nine represents um, accepting your flaws and being okay, not being okay, and, you know, loving your imperfections and your flaws and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, and that's that's so, that's so beautiful. Um, something that I point out to a lot of re- a lot of readers, a lot of friends that I talk to, um, is is just how much what you just said, being okay, accepting your flaws, that type of thing. Just how much that actually weaves in with what Jesus taught. Um, you know, one, the like I talked, like I mentioned already, one of the things that a lot of conservative Christians say so much is they love Donald Trump because he fights, because he fights, um, you know, he fights for us, that type of thing. And, and, you know, that can lead into a big, long discussion in and of itself. And, and I, I don't know that that's what you want to get into here, but something that I, that I always like to point out to them is, well, who did Jesus fight? Look, go read the new Testament. Who did Jesus fight? And the answer 
is, and, and the only answer is that he fought the leaders of his own religion. He fought the corrupt leaders of his own religion. In fact, there's one story um, in the New Testament in John, uh, and I talk about this a little bit in the book as well, where, uh, you know, and, and the book, I guess, so the book sort of takes the perspective that that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, I'm, I'm not trying to preach to anybody and say that he is. Um, what, what I'm saying is that, um, you know, if you're, if you're a Christian, you have to believe that. And here's how, you know, and then sort of go from there in the book because the book is about Christianity. So there's this story in John where, uh, this, this woman's having an affair and the priests, um, they, they, you know, from what the, from what the Bible makes it sound like, it says they caught her in the act. So it makes it sound like they dragged this woman out of the bed that while she was in the middle of having an affair and bring her to the temple and put her in front of Jesus. Now, if you're a Christian, you believe Jesus paid for this woman's sins, which means he knew that he would have to pay for that affair that she was having. He knew that he would have to suffer for that sin so that she could be forgiven by God. And even still, the, the priests, the leaders of, of the temple at the time, they said, you know, the law, the law of Moses says that we should stone her to death. What do you say? And they, they thought they were putting him in a really precarious position because he'd been teaching things like love and mercy and that sort of thing. And, and, and if he didn't, you know, if, if he taught love and mercy, well, they could say, oh, well, he doesn't believe in the law of Moses. And then if he said stone her, they could say, oh, well, look, now, now he doesn't believe in love and mercy. So they were trying to really trap him. And he, he kneels down and he writes in the sand and, and there's an, one old, you know, the old Greek translation of the Bible says that he writes the names of each of these people and sins or, or, you know, in, in Sin in that time is very different than what we thought of it, it. It probably was more like a violation of the law of Moses that each of them had committed. And then he looks up and he says, any of you who haven't sinned should be the first one to throw a stone at her. And they all leave because they know they can't, that they, that they can't, uh, you know, throw, throw a stone. And Jesus turns to the woman and he says, you know, he, he doesn't, condemn her he doesn't say oh you sinner you're going to hell oh you you know that he does nothing like that it's a lot like what you described with the purpose of pink cloud nine what he says to her is where are the people who have accused you and she says no one's accused me and he says i'm not accusing you either go go live your life and just don't sin anymore and that's it that's all he says and and i think that that you know that's the sort of thing that that young Americans really uh, would like to see more from in Christianity. Um, there's a lot of of people who want to throw the first stone in Christianity. At least from you know young Americans feel that way. But that wasn't Jesus. Jesus's attitude was much more like what you do here on Pink Cloud Nine. It was it was more about. Um, you know, accepting yourself. And it was more about trying to make yourself better, trying to move on from, from the mistakes from the past and just trying to make yourself better. And the only people that Jesus ever fought against when he was doing this were the leaders of his own religion because they were more concerned about traditions than they were about helping other people. Absolutely. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
Wow. Oh, no, you're right. I totally get it. Oh, man. I want to pick your brain, like, forever, but, you know, this is a showbiz entertainment. <laughs> People yeah. low attention spans, and I don't like to, you know, go over, but um, this has been amazing. I, I didn't even get to, like, all the, the questions about, like, how when was this book published? Um, it was last, just last fall, just a few months ago. Okay. Yeah. And, and about how many pages long is it? Um, it's, it's about 300 pages. Um, but it's, I, I try to make it as easy to read as possible. The first, the first few pages of each chapter are, are, are more like a fiction. Um, it, you know, it's, it's talk, it's that part where it talks about the teaching of the Bible and I sort of try to explore it through the eyes of people in the Bible and then get into the, you know, the more, I, I don't know, sort of like long form magazine pieces like you might read in the Atlantic or, or New York or that type of thing was sort of what I was hoping the rest of the chapter would read like. So, um, you know, it, it is a bit long, um, but, uh, a lot, a lot of a lot of people who've read it, they've sort of, you know, the reaction you had in this interview. Oh man, I wish I could pick your brain forever. Um, so, so even though it's a bit long, um, a lot of people, uh, you know, they, from what I've heard, uh, they they have enjoyed reading it. Absolutely, my limit is like five hundred pages. That's when I'm like, oh, that's too much. That's good, that's well under your limit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Then, what genre is it under? Um, so it's, it's, uh, sort of a mix of like journalism and, uh, religion. Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it, I, it, it's, it's really sort of, um, I, I guess the genre would fall under would be sort of political nonfiction. Okay, cool. And where can we find it? And yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, the easiest way to find it is just, you know, you type in Jesus wept book, um, on Amazon. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's been the top result there, um, at least for the last few months. Hopefully it still is. Hopefully, you know, your readers can make sure that it still is. That's great. There's a link uh, with this video, so they can click on the link for sure. But uh, great, wonderful. Well, it's been amazing having you. Um, again, you know, I, we didn't really get into the political, but the only thing I'm going to say lastly is somebody somebody looked at my profile and said, oh, and you're a Democrat. Da, 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 da. I'm like, where did you get where where did you get that? I have no affiliation whatsoever. I make no political uh, insinuations or nothing for any, and they called me a Democrat. I don't know what that does that mean that I'm an artist? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting all the things I get called to. So you get used to it. I was like, oh, you know, I mean, I get you. I get you. I'm like, you know, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me, you know, late for dinner. Exactly. <laughs> I have no, no care in the world about all that, you know, naysay. Not that being a Democrat, I was just, it's just weird because it's one of the things that I separate myself from. Yeah. You know, so anyway, we didn't get to the political part, but we got through the Christianity part because I, I know a little bit more about Christianity. So. I can talk about it a little bit. Politically, I just, I'm just like so like disconnected, detached, uh, uninterested. Mm -hmm. And I know that, that that's irresponsible on my part because I need to be doing my thing, this and that and the other. But I use this platform to, you know, say the, say what people need to say and get their 
you know, opinions and words and stuff out and stuff. So I do my part in a different way. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Okay, cool. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt Young, for being here. And uh, please pick up Jesus Wept on Amazon uh, by Matt Young. Uh, thank you so yeah. much for listening and being here and um, watching this and uh, replay, replay. But what we say at Pink Cloud 9 at the closing is no cyberbullying, no being mean to each other. Be nice to each other, but also be nice to yourself. Self-love and self-care is very important. Thank you so much for yeah. being here. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, I'm happy for to, to answer any questions your listeners might have. My Twitter is just at Matt Young now. Um, my, you know, this this wonderful face will be the profile picture. So uh, easy to find. Happy to answer any questions any of your listeners have. Absolutely. And a lot of times, like, they'll uh, get a hold of me and they'll ask me about for you. And so I can connect you like that. That would be great. Cool. All right. Well, it's been lovely. Thank you so much. Everybody have a lovely, fabulous rest of the day.